Welcome to the first bonus episode of Why Not Both? This episode was recorded at my friend Freya Eilif's gallery when I was with her in Reykjavik, and I dearly miss being able to spend time with her. And so I decided that she would be the perfect choice for our first bonus episode so that you get to enjoy what it's like being able to spend time with her too. Hello, I am here with Freya Eilif. Hello, Pam. <laughs> Sorry. We've been practicing each other's names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going well. Welcome to Why Not Both. Uh, the first question that I always ask people is, what do you do? And what might be a better question than what do you do? Mm, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, keep myself busy being an artist most days. And mm. I run an experimental exhibition venue in Reykjavik, or as it's called, uh, a museum of perceptive arts. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to post photos of this space because it's crazy. (laughs) I'm looking at the pink room right now that everyone will get to see. Yeah. Um, And those are, it's very different running a gallery space to actually creating the art. Like it's very different headspaces, it seems. Well, um, I'm not so sure because uh, creating the venue and the place for something to happen is actually something that uh, is so important for art to be presented or available or uh, exhibited or in the presence of and somebody mm. <laughs> anywhere. So I don't know. I I didn't have any, anything in mind when I opened this space. I just wanted art to happen, and I oh. and I wanted my own art to happen and somebody else's. You know, it was mm-hmm. more of a just you know opening opening for something like a flow stream of flow but with year like now this is the fifth sixth year uh, of this space being uh, a gallery or an art space and i've developed the concept concept of it to um, fit uh, as a space being directed by somebody who is also active as an artist and that's why you can see that you know i'm being very creative here myself because it's just something that's very important and it's hard for me to um, have that shut down and only serve a role as a curate. Actually, I learned through this job that, or through uh, running this space, that I'm perhaps not so much of a curator. I'm more of a you know runner of a place or the mm. director. So in Got this, it. so that here we have an exhibition direct, you know curated by somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that really worked well, and I was you know taking care of the rest. And I think that, things. yeah, I think that's sometimes so important to kind of like learn by doing that you're like, okay, yeah. this, this I'm totally on. This is not so much what I want to do. Like, this is maybe not my strength. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's done for me. <laughs> what would you describe as kind of the difference between kind of running a space and being like a creative director behind it versus curating? Like, what to you felt different? Well, I, um, I think I personally just got very lost. Like I was, uh, I am uh, completely incapable of curating a show without including myself, because <laughs> you know my creative uh, forces just take all power over me when something uh-huh. like this is happening, and you know I just start create building work or you know. And yeah, so that's how I work, and I learned that you know actually if you want to be good at curating, you're not exhibiting in the show. Mm. You're taking care of everything else. I see. And, Mm, 
with money, I did some attempts at curating shows mm-hmm. where I didn't include myself. And then I usually included myself at the end. <laughs> I was like, whatever, I'm putting in a painting by myself. Yeah, nobody can say anything because I'm the curator yeah, of this I'm show. The curator. <laughs> so I decide. <laughs> so I realized that, you know, that was definitely, definitely not the role for me. Mm-hmm. So here mm-hmm. I'm um, in this, and that's the, you know, the, uh, why the name museum comes in is because this is going to be a space for curated exhibitions mm. so that uh, curators come in and you know they can uh, create an exhibition right and that actually takes that role from me yes and i become a director of the museum and i yes. assist the curators and not the artists <laughs> somehow that that makes allows sense. me to be you know be the artist at the same time and i have some other things going on here so the uh, the space we're in is, is divided in three, mm-hmm. three spaces. So yeah. there's an exhibition hall mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a community hall, mm-hmm. as we could say, that we're in right now. Yeah, and that's I was going to say that's the space that I'm looking at like behind you that has the, the works of several different artists. Yeah. yeah. So I stuff my own work in the community hall, which keeps my, uh, yes. my needs, you know, of my... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but your work like looking at it the way that you organize the space it's almost like you have kind of your section yeah and then you have the section where it's more curated works of other artists because yeah. this very much where we're sitting feels like your realm yeah and like, it should just is... feel like a living room you know yeah it's uh it, yeah and it's kind of uh has a living room you know atmosphere where people can just stay and get you know take themselves out of the exhibition and sit down mm-hmm. and it's also you know a creative work even though it's very uh, mundane but in a way it's a way of uh, directing people how they come in to mm-hmm. a space mm-hmm. and uh, how they react to their environment and how um, colors and even just you know if there is a place to sit down yes and because now there is a lot of places to sit down here and even lie down. I was going to say, like, speaking of when you said, like, kind of curating the space, like, looking at the pink room, I remember during, like, because I was here for Freya's art opening this weekend, seeing people's reaction to that room, people immediately, like, flopped onto the floor, basically. They just were, like, immediately, like, oh, this is what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... And that was unusual because usually when you go to an opening, people are, you know, not flopped on the floor. Yeah. And, and that's so, what I really wanted to have. Like if people could enter uh, a venue like this, like cats and just, you know, throw themselves at the floor. Yes. Because I really like doing that myself <laughs> wherever I am. I like to uh, view things and then I want to throw myself at the floor and feel really out of my flesh. And that's what mm-hmm. it's called. It's the flesh room. Yeah. And the texture is to... Uh, imitate uh, something within your body from yeah it's like a inside. womb or a heart yeah and it's cool because it looks almost like almost like tie-dyed like it's really it's really cool and i love what you did with like that you matched kind of like the the cushions on the floor to yeah. the walls so that it was all congruous <laughs> it's all like it's one beautiful space and the candles they're also sculpted in the same way so they, mm-hmm. they look like flesh and then they're burned down so it's a way of uh, you know to transcend the flesh and this oh. space is actually going to be used for experiments with, you know, uh, going into journeys and, you know, I'm going to use this section of the museum for mm-hmm. experiments where I'm doing, where I'm mixing uh, contemporary art practices with mm-hmm. 
um, journeying and meditating. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was the original idea for that room. But then it's open also for venues. But ah. then for the section where, where we're at, where it's just possible to sit down, mm-hmm. I found that you know when you enter a space and you see that, that it's possible to sit down, yes. you instantly feel more at ease. Yes. Even though you won't sit down. So that's why I wanted to have this living room uh, included. So that people feel comfortable and well, feel more close and intimate to each other. Because it's also about bringing people together and creating uh, connections. And that's a different entryway into the art. Like that kind of speaks to... It's like your creation of the space is almost... It reminds me of like a journey practice within its own, right? Yeah, it's all... It's like, a, all decisions are also made from, uh, you know, that work process that I, you know, I seek uh, answers from mm-hmm. my guidance and I go within to uh, see what's right. So mm-hmm. I usually, you know, for a year or two almost, I've known that this space was going to go through drastic changes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wasn't just, you know, I was getting like keys from, you know, many places from my travels from uh, my dreams from uh, all kinds of you know all kinds of weird corners you know stones yes Yes. (laughs) and um, plants even so and then it is finally uh, and it's actually just a month ago that it all came together uh, wow all the threads you know somehow found each other wove together the name for the space came Mm -hmm. and um and I journeyed with the, the totem animal of the space that I call, which is the, is the snake, which mm-hmm. forms the at symbol. Yes. And that's actually work that I did a long time ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was around a time that I could feel something was about to change, like mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, I wanted to uh, have a spirit guidance for the museum mm-hmm. as an entity. So mm-hmm. I did uh, go and journey into that just to... Uh, find something I, I I didn't know what was to come but right. this old uh, image that uh, <laughs> I had actually created as a logo for something else for oh, really? a totally different project yeah oh. but the snake came and he was a bit offended you know he was uh, <laughs> you know well he was kind you know of course he wasn't you know mean to me but he was a bit uh, like why did you push me aside for that yeah, I was meant well, for this he was a bit confused he was you know, felt like he had been on the shelf for too long. So it all came back, you know, together so easily when I started working like that and just somehow happened. Yes. Very quick. And now it feels complete like uh, something that was just growing uh, secretly in within me for and then a very you were long like time. gestating and then mm-hmm. it... And then it's also a mixture of two different worlds because it is uh, contemporary art mm-hmm. being presented in a in, cura- in curated ways, mm-hmm. uh, bringing uh, groups of people together from very different directions, from age, you know, young people, mm-hmm. uh, very established and different mediums, mm-hmm. media. And mm-hmm. then I'm also adding my uh, practice and uh, offering existential services here. Yes, which <laughs> that's what I wanted to know more about because I know that right now the menu is only in Icelandic. And oh, so right, yeah. I was like, oh, I want to know more about that. Yeah, the reason the menu is only in Icelandic is that uh, it took me a long uh, time to create words for what I am doing. Uh, gotcha. It's a remix from um, old systems, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. presented in a very creative way. Right. But it's real. It's... Uh, 
it's really an existential service. It's right. not like a, a facet or, or a performance, you know, I'm going deep with you're that work. You're going deep with the people that you're attending to. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But I was just wanted to present it in a very personalized way that belongs to this space mm-hmm. and, you know, this museum. So when I had had it in English, it was a bit uh, belonged to uh, ancient um, culture. So I'm using astrology, oh. numerology, shamanism, healing, and methods well, no, that I've learned from teachers from this, these practices. But I'm it. presenting them in a very creative way. And it would be hard, I would assume, because of like the cultural difference of like the ancient practices to now there might not be the english words for that because they don't they don't match perhaps i could do it with a like. poetic english speaking person i'm not sure but... <laughs> yes i was just like we have to find someone who maybe speaks both that could help but i use yeah. words a lot in my uh, work so it was just a way oh. of being creative also creating yeah. this existential menu yeah. and presenting it in a very poetic way and also as a way to uh, make something be you know, uh, interesting in a new way, give something, you know, a new perspective into something so that people could be curious and uh, not understand it fully and right. have questions. And well, it intrigues you know, people, they'd want to come and see, yeah, instead of what this was all about. debunking it, you know, when you explain yeah. in this session astrological uh, uh, movings of the <laughs> solar yes. system are used to, yes, and I wanted to present it in a different way, but. That's something I'm very excited about. It's uh, a way of uh, that I have used to um, uh, get deeper connection with myself, something to mm-hmm. mirror on. And I really want to uh, use my knowledge of, for example, just my knowledge of uh, this ancient system of astrology mm-hmm. that I've really uh, been I've been really reading into since I was 14 years old, and that's mm-hmm. now. 20 years of yeah, reading of, and uh, learning studying. And, yeah. yeah so I wanted to use this knowledge and this system mm-hmm. this really you know because it's a magnificent system of something which yeah. has been really calculated and uh, studied and uh, used through so many centuries and and I wanted to use my knowledge of that to pre- present it in a way that people could use it be mm-hmm. curious about something mm-hmm. and get a mirror to get to know themselves better. So I'm very <laughs> into <this laughs> existential studies. And well, and I love that you use the mode of contemporary art to bring that into the modern world because it's such an ancient practice. But that dichotomy is really fascinating that it's almost something ancient with something extremely new and that those two merged and here we are in this space. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's a way of, you know, also when I was... Uh, Putting, that, putting together the concept of the space, I was thinking mm-hmm. about this you know, concept of time, uh-huh. that actually everything which has happened and everything which is happening right now and everything which is about to happen, mm-hmm. all is happening at the same time. At the same time. Yeah, and I love <laughs> this idea. I always found that very soothing. I always found, for some reason, I always have found, especially like entropy, I found it very soothing that everything just trends towards chaos and then contracts again and then trends towards chaos and contracts again. I don't know why, but I found that cycle very calming. Yeah. <laughs> I somehow really enjoy going time traveling to the past and uh-huh. imagining that, you know, the computer world that we have invented right now 
uh-huh. already exists then mm-hmm. and that's why mm-hmm. the snake forms the at symbol that you know it always it, it always existed yeah, it always existed it. yeah and uh, somebody asked me about because uh, the exhibition has uh, this post-humanity focused mm-hmm. and that was from a dialogue between me and the curators when I was telling them about my ideas about this space because mm-hmm. it also includes um, researching a bit you know with what we can what this means this uh, mm-hmm. extremely rapid development of technology and where right. it's taking us and how it uh, alters our consciousness and what um, media is doing to our communication with each other and right. our image of ourselves right. and everything but uh, I'm entering it actually through um my uh, practice in as a creative artist mm-hmm. and a practitioner of shamanism so i go you know take the route from the past to mm-hmm. go into the future instead of the other way around instead so, of future looking back it's like yeah so when you look it. around it looks a bit vintage this place you know you don't see yeah. a lot of technology or or new new you know media and that's all of course that's also just because you know i don't have that's not what i um uh that's not my practice in art i'm more hands-on i'm a painter i'm a sculptor so that's what you see around but also um i just find it interesting to enter the future through through ancient past well i like that you use like a piece of like antiquated technology Like, the one piece of technology is a monitor that has a mirror in it. It's not a monitor anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like... And also the keyboard of that, it looks like something from Star Wars. It does. It's visually extremely it looks like retro. What, what someone thought was ergonomic in, like, 1985. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, this is how people like keyboards. <laughs> and how, like, we had talked prior to recording, and so I wanted to make sure it's in the podcast, how would another artist, like organize a space like this because I feel as though like if artists are listening to this they might have wonderful ideas that they don't know how to organize how to fund how to like get off the ground mm-hmm. like how do you do that what would you tell another artist well um, personally I when I graduated from my uh, academy uh, my eyes were wide open I felt like I had you know like a hundred eyes on my bodies because I was uh, looking for my opportunities to mm. open a space mm-hmm. and it became my, my hyper focus after mm-hmm. my graduation because it was something I really wanted to do or I could feel that it was my path to do and mm-hmm. I had to fulfill it so mm-hmm. every night I would think what can I do how can I do it and I would uh, read on um, like throughout history how artists had uh, created a gallery on a jacket uh, inside a hat in their little suitcase mm-hmm. and lots of weird uh, ideas and I you know thought you know it, would that be something that I could do yeah. but at the time I was um, actually living in the house here in front mm-hmm. so that's another weird story I lived there uh, um, in a squat for like five years accidentally somehow <laughs> And it, was, accidentally. Uh, it accidentally <laughs> happened that you know I lived there and uh, it you know during the economic crash this oh, house yeah. just went you know got c- completely lost in the system and uh, wow well yeah was it was also a lot of luck for me because it mm-hmm. gave me time to mm-hmm. uh, 
to develop my vision for what I wanted to do in my mm-hmm. art. And also, one uh, summer night I was uh, drinking wine in the garden, and I'm you know sitting here. This is my grandmother's house, so I was mm-hmm. living in. You know, we had joint gardens, so, which was really beautiful. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> and you know. I grew up in this house, so maybe I had a blind spot that this um, this floor had been empty for t- two years because my grandfather had passed away, mm-hmm. and his stuff was still here inside. It hadn't been completely uh, organized, and his books were laying around. His artwork mm-hmm. was all over, and um, I just remember taking a sip of the red wine and looking into this apartment and thinking wait a minute you know <laughs> it's almost like that's so fascinating that you were next door for five years and then it was almost then over two years like something to click like to open your eyes to see that opportunity that it was yeah. right here well it was I had been you know I graduated in the in the spring like in June I graduated mm-hmm. and I opened uh, the first exhibition here in August so mm-hmm. it didn't take such a long time okay good I was just like, I was <laughs> no, like, no, no. I was like how no it would I think it was two months that I realized, oh, the space is right here. And there was a situation in the family that this work had still to be done, you know, to take care of my grandfather's stuff. So that's how it began. You know, it was one exhibition, you know, cleared his stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, I invited my classmates to, uh, you know, bring in artworks. And we had a show for Culture Night. It was like Mm -hmm. a two day long, two day show. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I could feel that my family was still unsure, like what to do with this space, and mm-hmm. it needed a lot of uh, work. Mm-hmm. That you know, we realized that when we uh, removed all furniture out, that the place mm-hmm. needed a lot of work, right. so it was not right. equipped for anything really. So I could feel that you know this moment of thought that they needed to find out what to do mm-hmm. would be uh, even though if it would be two months, it would be enough for me to do more work and have gotcha. more fun so I just put a name to the gallery and started uh, having like exhibitions every two weeks and that's oh that's a lot yeah it was a lot because that, at that time I didn't know how long I would be here yeah and and it just went really well and it got a lot of media attention and it was really positive somehow and mm-hmm. it brought a lot of life into this house and also a lot of things got you know painted and you know uh and it wasn't empty anymore, so it created like this positive collaboration between me and my family. And yeah, and five years went past. That gallery was closed down from you know as a concept. Uh huh. And uh-huh. now this opened, and this is also a conversation like why I changed this. It's a conversation with my grandmother who lives upstairs. Yeah. Because as she's getting older, the mm, this venue also had to change, mm. and I had to change it into something that could include my heart more mm. so that I would stay here more with her I see. and that's why uh, I first changed it into my studio so the mm-hmm. half of it was a studio mm-hmm. and uh, I had my work because it was a way of um, uh, we call it grabbing two flies at one that I would yes. be at work but also taking care of my grandmother yeah American English is like two birds one stone yeah yeah <laughs> Though I don't know why we're throwing stones and you're catching flies. So that was, yeah. <laughs> so that was the first idea. And then I started, uh, because I started uh, practicing uh, healing with a teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was doing a lot of work with my grandmother and with this house also. And then I realized that that was also a very important part of the venue. That it would be like a, a, healing. Healing, a healing venue. Not just... Uh, a venue for crazy parties and 
exhibition openings like it had been like some mm-hmm. openings here had been a you know huge party and and that had to change as well so mm-hmm. so sometimes things happen you know in dialogue with so many different uh, voices from the environment that you know yes it's you know it's my brainchild but it's also been a dialogue with this house uh, my great-grandmother who passed away a long time ago who bought this house wow because I, you know, I like to have her included in my decisions. Mm-hmm. Does she approve? Mm-hmm. What does she think? And mm-hmm. and that's how it's been going on. Like and with funds for the first year, I was really um, a bit cocky and positive, you know, and optimistic that I could be mm-hmm. here without any funds, just doing whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck this shit. I, don't have I like to, that this is like the punk rock funds. healing <laughs> yeah. space. This is like the punk rock place to have your existential yeah. traumas repaired. But then I, of course, realized that, you know, um, this work, it, it, <laughs> it just requires a lot of uh, material. Yes. Which costs yes. a lot of money. And yes. I've been uh, supported by the Reykjavik City Culture mm-hmm. Council, and which has been, like, made this possible, really. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That means that I don't have to um, put my own money into paint and all material which is used to build here and yeah. uh, drinks for openings, you know. Right, because you've really, like, looking at the space, especially when you spoke about how much work it needed, like, you can see how much you've done. Like, you can see the effects of what you've really worked on. Yeah, you should see, see the pictures of the first exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> quite amazing right now. But I feel complete now. I feel like this is a really beautiful way to, to uh, it's like the final stage of, of the space, and I feel very happy that I'm at that point. Yes, <laughs> and I love the way that you know. I feel like a lot of artists don't know that much about like writing grants or about getting funding, and things like that. And I think that some people think that money either like is spirited out of nowhere, or you have to be like have a trust fund or things like that. So I'm glad that you mentioned that you're like, yes, like City of Reykjavik is paying for this. I think that's important for artists to know that you don't have to just like all of a sudden come yeah. out of nowhere with these supplies. Well, I mean, this sounds really good, but you you know, you also have to sacrifice a lot because Reykjavik is not paying for everything. They're right. just feeding in like a little pocket money for right. for this to work out. Well, and you also have, you have a day job as well, which a lot of artists I think also are ashamed yeah. of. And I'm like, I'm like, people don't have to be ashamed yeah. that they have day jobs. Like there's a reason why it's so we have money to do fun stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like... But yeah, I didn't, you know, um, I didn't get a grant for the first year. And mm-hmm. that's when I learned that it would be uh, very important <laughs> to <Yes>. get <laughs> the next year. So... so... Because I yeah. was very, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care. I thought, you know, oh, this is gonna work out fine. But then I found out that, you know, if artists were here working and they destroyed my tools and they left oh. brushes with paint to destroy it, I got really grumpy. I was like, <laughs> "What is wrong with you, you, you idiot? How dare <laughs> just stop destroying?" And then, you know, I didn't like this uh, dynamic between me and the artist that I was really just like, "Stop being idiots and destroying my tools," you mm-hmm. know. And I had this. Mm-hmm. Um, a document that I handed out where I you know had to list everything out please don't destroy this please don't destroy that mm-hmm. because everything here was just being destroyed constantly oh geez and when I got the first grant from Reykjavik that was the re- you know just a huge release that I thought okay now I'm going to buy 
just lots of brushes yeah. and I'll never have to be grumpy ever again because an artist destroyed, destroyed brush my brush by accident. Yeah. 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 So that was just very positive. Yes. <laughs> and it felt so good. And you know, if something got destroyed the floor from somebody's idea of spilling something, you know, right. It's so, so many things You're like, happen. "Uh, we can fix it." It's yeah, okay. it was a bit of like, "Okay, you know, I'm going to have to do the job, but at least I have the money to buy the paint." So Exactly. But this, yeah, that was also part of why I changed it into a museum because five years of running a wild art space like that. Oh, I bet really, a lot of stuff got destroyed by accident. Yeah, I got a bit like, okay, this is Groundhog Day. Something else needs to happen. So this is a more, you know, refined uh, venue. Yes. As in, you know, because there are curators taking care of things. And yes. I am, I have the experience of, you know, doing everything so I can have, I can be the technological assistant. I, I actually really like that. I like just working getting stuff done like yeah. really fast you know I don't like the deciding where work should be put up you know well and it seems like that appeals to similarly like your process of making art in a way that you described as hands-on like doing sculpting and painting as opposed to any kind of digital art yeah it seems like very visceral like you're like here we go <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're gonna make the stuff and, and like, also this dialogue with material that you know mm -hmm. you're not alone if you have clay in your hand it's also mm -hmm. a dialogue okay i had an idea but what does clay clay say you know right. good morning clay <laughs> how are you feeling hey, today <laughs> yeah i was curious yeah. about like the way that you made those candles when you said that about the flesh like because they're so vivid and i was like how I, I was so curious how you made them because they look like you almost a similar texture to the, the melted wax yeah it's just a drip on effect you know yeah. candles used as paint painting tools i love that yeah, it's very. It's something I did as a teenager, and then I just uh, did it as a graduated artist. And I thought, well, I mean, it looks good, and it's a collaboration with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, not only a candle wax, but also the fire. So it became mm -hmm. a very meditative session, you know, to sit down with birch wood, wax, and fire, yeah. and make it, you know, lead me on. And I never, it's always a struggle making this picture, you know, I never get any better at doing them. I've made uh, a lot of them, but every picture is a struggle and a dialogue with oh. uh, everything that's going on. Well, that almost <laughs> connects to what you were, at least in my mind, what you were talking about with like the existential services of things that are like going within. And it's like, I feel like those are almost like an externalization of like what's going on within. That's yeah. like, that's the end product where you get like a physical, like, oh, that's what the struggle looked like in this format. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yes, like a spiritual puke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Here is some spiritual puke from Freya. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love the idea of, you know, that you, you experimented with what kinds of things you like to do concurrently. And it sounds like you found your strength in like, I mean, can I ask, like, do you like your day job? Like, is it fun at all? Or is it or is it just like you're just there, like, occupying space? Or, Well, I've actually been lucky with my jobs. I think they just really come in and out with the flow. And yeah. now I have a job where I'm taking care of a micro greenhouse. So I just, I'm just watering a little, tiny little micro greens. <laughs> that sounds so you. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's a small business, so I'm the only mm -hmm. one doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. which is really good because I can just stay alone in my my own world and mm -hmm. have a dialogue with the with the 
the, the seeds and yes. the plants that are growing there. And yes. it's actually sometimes when I leave the greenhouse, I feel very excited to see oh. <laughs> see everything, you know, next day, see how things have germinated. And, you know, it's yes. a really, it's a powerhouse to be uh, surrounded by things which are, you know, coming into life. Yes. It's like the zygote, you know, the... Oh yeah, the zygote. The and zygote, then yeah. The embryo. I feel like yeah. I'm, you know, surrounded by zygotes, so... And that sounds like almost like a creative process within itself because you're quite literally nurturing something to life. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good job, you know. Yeah. I'll have that until my next mission out abroad, so... Yeah, because you travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and because uh, I'm like, spoiler alert for everyone on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I actually met Freya because her friend was on my flight home and it turned out she had a gallery exhibit. <laughs> so we met a year ago across the globe. <laughs> but you said that that was the last time you traveled, but that that was unusual. Like, it sounds like prior you had mentioned like going to Norway and going to Berlin and going like... Yeah. So what's that like when you are traveling and kind of having your art practice in various locations? Um, I feel it has been very uh, liberating for me to mm-hmm. uh, listen to my own um, voice and where um, art is leading me mm-hmm. instead of being uh, caught in something in a community and an art scene, you know, like in Iceland, which is very small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this space and this uh, new uh, venue here, the museum, uh, is definitely... Uh, a brainchild from my travels uh, mm. throughout for example in Los Angeles where I felt very liberated as, yeah. an, as a very spiritual person yeah. who also pra- is a contemporary and a, a contemporary art uh, visual artist running an art space so that definitely was a helping hand you know it was a stepping stone in this how this became into being but that's wonderful I'm mm-hmm. so glad that because I do feel like in LA I feel like of course I'm a contemporary artist that runs an existential museum people are like okay yeah like they're like great <laughs> cool yeah and when I came back you know I, I've been noticing lots of things that I you know were to my liking across Europe and mm-hmm. Eastern Europe also and then in Los Angeles where I could really just uh get in touch with so many different things and people are uh, there are somehow no boundaries in what you can do in specific yes, cities endless so. it's like it's almost like endless possibility like if you can imagine it and if you want to get there people are like yeah rock on go yeah like, you follow that path <laughs> i think for a moment i felt a bit so, because i was really excited about reinventing this space mm-hmm. and uh, i was really happy that it was happening and that things were finally coming together but then for a moment i felt a bit sad that it wasn't happening in a bigger city because oh. i felt i might be marginalized here I see. and um, we'll just have to see how that goes because I think the traveling has also given me that, you know, I really don't care if mm. if being me is leading me into a weird weird spot right. in this city, which is, is kind of small, mm-hmm. then that mm-hmm. must be just a question of time or, you know, right. or who cares even, you know. Well, and also it sounds like because you have relationships with other places, it's like, not that you'd recreate this exact space, but I like, I have confidence that if you went to another city and wanted to create another, like space for yourself you could do that it's like now that you've created this it's almost like well if i've created this what yeah. else can i create yeah like... <laughs> well maybe yeah yeah i feel it has uh, been a life server for me to travel as an yeah. artist definitely because it has given me well actually i didn't know that this 
way of living would suit me. It came as a surprise. And also it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I was looking for. I was very rooted and actually very um, a bit, you know, blindfolded here in mm-hmm. Reykjavik with what I was going to do with my life. And um, suddenly I was just going all over the world doing exhibitions and mm-hmm. uh, it all seemed to work out financially. I have these moments where I'm, you know, going to bed and I think, why is my life like this? It, it's not supposed to work out. And, you know, <laughs> it's never, I can never look f- in far into the future and think, oh, everything seems to, you know, <laughs> make sense. <laughs> make sense. And, you know, the money is flowing and everything's going to work. It's not like that. You know, I have right. moments where I'm just like, this is right. ridiculous. It has to stop right now. <laughs> it was much but. like how we got into the John Grant show. Yeah. That shouldn't have worked. No, definitely. <laughs> That's why I learned just take one step at a time because everything really seems to work out fine. That's and then exactly. I look back and I just think, okay, three years, lots of traveling, uh, lots of growth and um, healing and uh, building and you know mm-hmm. creating and making things happen and it worked out. So it taught me to uh, be you know go with the flow and listen to. What is right, you know? Well, that sounds like like tuning into yourself. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. giving yourself the space to tune into yourself and then to listen and to follow through on it. Yeah. Because it's one thing to hear kind of that chatter that like you might hear and then go, oh, that doesn't seem possible. That's ridiculous. Why would I do that? But it sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you listen to it and you're like, that's a strange path. Let me figure out how to take it. Yeah. <laughs> like writing grants, transforming the space, like all the things it was just like, it's like some part of you knew that that was the correct path, even if it seemed a bit odd. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go. And it's been working out fine for now five years after my graduation. I think oh. until this summer I had a setback and I could really feel that I wasn't earning enough. And mm. it was difficult to face that after five years of doing well, I was a bit surprised. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is the end of the dream, you oh, know? And I think that, yeah. yeah, that's tied to like the ego of like, oh, what if yeah. I have to take on another job? And people are like, does that make me not a real artist? And it's like, no, you're, you're still an artist. Like you're still making things like you're good. But I was also applying for jobs and just getting, you know, uh, rejected. So mm-hmm. I felt like, but it really made me think and made me sit down and think, who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I good at? Mm-hmm. What's the core of me? And how do I serve as uh, an individual in this world? Mm-hmm. And it really took, you know, needed that um, rock bottom for me to realize uh, what I can offer is that I've been reading about astrology for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I started offering astrological readings for donations <laughs> in this oh. space. Yeah. And it that worked out fine. And uh-huh. that was just, you know, a moment of clarity you know what am I good at and it was so funny because randomly um, I was surfing the internet and this video with a guy named Chris Crocker Mm -hmm. which is some sort of a social I don't know just a uh, guy who's, you know... On, is he just like a social blocking, media? Social media yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember him from a very long time. He made a joke that went viral. But I'm not following him. This video just, you know, pops up in my in my world. And, uh-huh. he's, um, and he starts, you know, answering a question that people have been asking him about. Which is, you know, why did you start doing porn? And <laughs> so he's answering the question and I'm watching the video. And he says, uh-huh. well, honestly, I was just really broke and I thought what am I good at and I decided <laughs> to see if I could maybe get a job doing what I was doing good at. what I'm good at and then I found out that actually I liked it as a job 
Yeah, so that's how life worked out for me. And that was such a big, because clarity and, you know, yes. epiphanies can come from such The strangest places. Yeah. <laughs> and at that moment, I thought, you know, I'm just really uh, intuitive. Uh, mm-hmm. I have read um, myself really deep into the systems of astrology and numerology. Yeah. And I've studied healing. I'm very, very clairsentient on, on people's mm-hmm. energies. Mm-hmm. And I just had to face the fact that I had been putting this aside to, mm. um, con- to um, what do you call it? To not to scare people off. Oh, to, to, not fit like, in, yeah. to not like come across as like too intense or too like. Yeah, and just be put in a box and marginalized. I think, and oh, I wanted like to, to fit not in. come across as like odd or. Yeah. yeah, and I just wanted to keep this out of people's uh, knowledge of me somehow yeah. to fit better in, and I wanted to. Uh, yeah, I didn't want this to be to give people the opportunity to judge me in a way. Oh, but then at this it. moment, you know, when I watched the Chris Crocker video, I had to, you know, face myself and think. Uh, I have people because people have different abilities. People yes. have something different to give. This is one of the things that I have, and it is weird that I have put it aside and mm. that I'm so shy about it. And I also had a very shy relationship with mm. this in myself. And sometimes mm-hmm. I would, you know, come, you know, peep out with a comment or say something and then people would, you know, get kind of weird and, you know, mm-hmm. not be sure. And mm-hmm. it made me even feel more uncomfortable about myself. Right. Cause so, then you're like, should I be ashamed of this? Should I hide mm-hmm. this? Like, what should I do? I just, yeah, I got fed up with it all. And I just decided to, you know, splurt it all just out just embrace yeah and you like know. you said your spiritual vomit yeah <laughs> and it's so unfair because you know when you feel things like this it is your reality and it's a bit mm-hmm. like having to uh, go into a fight with people that you know blue is blue it's just like you don't even want to have the fight you're like okay okay i'm whatever yeah this is okay bye this is your blue yeah. this is my blue yeah sure or okay <laughs> like, but it's so hard, hard. <laughs> But I've been uh, studying with a teacher all year, so yeah. I'm getting a certificate soon. I'm like in practicing, you know, mm-hmm. practitioner or what do you call it? A practitioner of what? Like of what? healing uh, ah, like that healing I've been studying with a teacher. So that's what I included in the menu here. And yeah. um, I'm not sure. It wasn't even a big step. I think after the astrological readings, it was just all out. I was like, okay, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. This is so weird. <laughs> well, and it sounds like you gained so much to be able to tune into yourself for that. Like, it seems like now it's almost like those two parts of you are integrated. Like, the artist part of you and the healer part of you are kind of like... Brought together by Chris mm. Crocker. <laughs> Sponsored by Chris why Crocker. I'm, why I'm doing porn. Exactly. Why am I a porn star? <laughs> and then you're like, wait a second. I have to be a healer and an artist at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> like... I love when the world does that, when you're just like, I know that this doesn't seem like it would be the sign, but that was definitely the sign. Yeah, that was the moment of epiphany. <laughs> what amazing. am I good at? <laughs> like, what am I good at? Because it sounds like, like, what would you say is kind of like the best thing that your art practice has brought to you? Like, what would you describe as like the most positive thing that it's brought to you? Well, um, I think because I really, uh, I loathed being in school, like in high school and mm-hmm. um it was really when I look back it was just a nightmare of yeah. being caged and uh, I didn't really understand the the, 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 the rhythm like I thought mm-hmm. everything was so slow I felt so re- extremely bored and mm-hmm. 
and also socially I felt really just off somehow I was um, in this old-fashioned college studying physics you know oh. that was somehow the road I was taking in life going I mean I could see how physics and astrology could kind of match but like yeah. old-fashioned I'm like mm, I don't see that yeah it was really you know <laughs> Well, I was on. I was <laughs> took a wrong turn. <laughs> Such a wrong turn. We've you know? made a detour. <laughs> uh, and I did four years of that. You know, walking down that road. And, wow. Yeah. And then I went into the university. I started studying philosophy, and I changed into mathematics. And then I just, you know, <laughs> escaped that. I thought, okay, I'm. I ain't. You know, I'm not gonna finish anything here. So I just signed up for all the Russian courses they had. What? Since I had already signed up as a student, I uh-huh. just got out of the philosophy uh, department mm-hmm. and signed out of the mathemat- oh my God. <laughs> mathematics. <laughs> and I just decided, because I lived in Russia and it was actually really easy for me. They were just studying the language oh. and reading uh, literature. So I had um, a very nice uh, period of time there in the university doing like being you know a bit a- academic but you know finding mm-hmm. it extremely easy because I had read everything and I mm-hmm. knew so mm-hmm. I was so ahead and it was you know really not fair <laughs> actually <laughs> that I was doing this on a university level but I had a I had a day job at the same time <laughs> so you're like don't worry I was mm-hmm. challenging myself in other ways so a long road in the wrong direction but then I went into art school and what I found was that it gave me um my connection to myself again mm-hmm. to realize who I am and um, this need for freedom and also the freedom to create your own life which is, has, has been taken away from us and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I rebuilt um, that connection with myself through art that mm-hmm. I could actually with uh, instead of finding myself um, on the margin of society or you know find myself to be so different and yeah. to be so perceiving and sensitive in a weird way that other people would find, uh, you know, described as mental illness or, yeah. you know, insanity yeah. to uh, create um, a life and find my way through this earth um, and see that I am not actually, I'm, you know, there, the world is so big and I was just in a very tiny tiny closet you know in the wrong place you're in the wrong closet yeah (laughs) and yeah it's also such an internal dialogue doing art because it's a lot of struggle actually and if you are um going through art school and Mm -hmm. you get uh criticized for something which comes from that's so personal yeah inside of you it really toughens you up because you get very uh offended and you Mm -hmm. have to really face yourself from mm-hmm. being, you know, <laughs> raged. Exactly. <laughs> and angry. You're like, you're like, that was part of me. Yeah. <laughs> that was important. So I learned a lot. And um, it was a tough ride through art school, but it was a psychological, you know, um, rebirth. Well, and it sounds definitely. like that connects to then, like, the kind of like the gifts that you would get through healing. Yeah, and art has um, a healing power, which is just. Um, it comes with it yeah that people get into a creative flow that's healing and so it's always been part of it it's not just something that um healers impose on it or therapists create it's just part it's inherent that's how i perceive it at least yes i perceive it similarly that it's like just the act of doing it is healing and then if you get to share it with people then that's like then you get dialogue yeah 
And that to me, I'm just like, in some ways I'm like, that can be fun. But in some ways, like, I don't know about you, but I like to sometimes just make music, even if no one else is listening to it. Cause I just enjoy making it. Oh like, yeah. I just mm-hmm. like playing it. No yeah. one else is home. It's just me. <laughs> but I'm like, I like doing it. Yeah. I had this conversation with a colleague of mine uh, and we were talking about, well, I've had this conversation with many people about imposter syndrome mm. and it's a bit of a, because, um, because I haven't felt that so much the feeling of being an imposter as an artist because I feel it's a bit you know it goes pretty deep you know Mm -hmm. to my to my being Mm -hmm. that you know something could you know tell me that I should be uh, skeptical that I am an artist artist. but I think it's you know also revolving are you um doing are you cool you know is that Uh, isn't that the imposter syndrome you know that you're an artist but are you but are you a cool artist are you a cool artist (laughs) something that i fortunately and also unfortunately uh, have like a lack of care about Mm -hmm. but uh and that's why my way through art has been somehow you know creating my own venue and you know going through yeah my career in a different way than you can you can do because yeah. i feel very uh, disconnected to the 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 well i don't even have the words for it it's I'm, kind of like an like image stupid like that no <laughs> you're it's so funny when you had said that you know that you didn't have like english words for things before because you're so articulate and so like uh, now i'm trying to think of the word for it it's very, the way that you illuminate your thoughts is really interesting. Like you're spot on, but it's the way that you express yourself. It brings me into your world. It like brings me into the way that you think about things. And so I was like, that's what I mean by articulate. Ah. <laughs> and so it's really cool. It's cool talking to you about that. Um, and now I'm like, I don't even remember what you're trying to articulate about like, oh yeah, about like feeling, feeling like cool. It's almost like being the image of an artist as opposed to an actual artist. Where like some people like to have that image or like there are people who similarly with, I think like music as well, where people have like the image that they're like, oh, I'm a cool musician because I wear this particular outfit or like I look this certain way, but it's like what makes you an artist or a musician is like, what, what are you creating? Yeah. I wonder, you know, if you could ever, you know, I've wondered if ever anybody could give me a grant that, you know, could make me feel somehow different that I could feel, oh, people now think that I am cool. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that this can be applied to me. But mm-hmm. I just feel like a slave to my own ideas. I'm just following yeah. uh, something, falling down a rabbit hole and nothing can stop it. And this is just going to be my life. And sometimes I'm not sure how I feel about it. But imposter is not the word. I feel right. a bit like <laughs> <laughs> like I've, you know, something has been programmed in me in a weird way. Yeah. And that I have to trust it because it comes with a lot of passion yes. and a lot of energy. So yes. I just want to try and do something good with it. That I'm just not, uh, you know, creating something really bit and des- destroying materials. Right, right, right. Using right. toxic uh, plastic uh, stuff to create some nonsense. I right. really want to um question my creations you know mm-hmm. does it have uh an essence that needs to be brought into reality mm-hmm. but otherwise i just you know i feel like i'm on a leash with, to something that is just taking me <laughs> it's just well i love that you described it as like you went on like the wrong path like you went on this detour yeah. and then all of a sudden once you found it and it grabbed you you're like okay it's me and you yeah <laughs> yeah we're going far far out you're never gonna know where we're going exactly but we're going there fast <laughs> no time onwards, for questions onwards, yeah. <laughs> 
It's like someone made a joke one time about like the first person who like made a conga line. Like you know that dance where you like hold oh, I love on to that. people. I love conga. Imagine if you were like the first person that was in a conga line. The joke was like, <laughs> like grab my butt, don't ask questions, just go. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. It's like someone had to be the first person to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I love that dance. <laughs> So you're in like a conga line with your creativity. It's like, don't ask questions. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what would you recommend for younger artists or even like if you could talk to your younger self and be like, by the way, this is what's to come. Like, what advice would you give yourself or a younger artist? To myself as a younger artist, I would say um, that be prepared for some <laughs> intense scary yep. stuff <laughs> yep. and um, also I would um, oh let me think I'm gonna think for a long while now <laughs> <laughs> I was like thinking about like the conga think, line think, think, how think, do you prepare think, yourself think, for think, the conga think. line well I would like to say to myself that um, to remind myself that um oh, this is gonna sound so weird well it's all good i feel that um i uh, was worried that i would be a freak in oh. my community in iceland and oh. it, that i would be somehow uh not uh in the flow with the the group or you know mm. w- like i didn't see myself going with the flow of what everyone seemed to be doing and i had um worries that i would just become lost and alone and never included or you know i would just you know be doing the conga line alone in the dark desert and you know i would be a slave to that for the rest of my life i don't know this definitely relates to some you know childhood school trauma (laughs) left out to be left out but um yeah i would just like because i lost my voice through the academy i really stopped listening to my inner voice and I had mm-hmm. to reclaim that after graduation I had to go back and go like okay yeah. you know I put it aside because I didn't want it to be judged and uh-huh. I just tried to go through school you know in a very academic way yeah, yeah 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 and that was a big mistake well I learned that it was a big mistake right <laughs> sometimes, it, sometimes you have to figure that out by mm-hmm. going oh whoops. I can't believe I did that mistake you know I had been mm-hmm. retaining my no I had been you know uh, dedicated to my weird self for you know 27 years mm-hmm. until I went to art school I just completely lost it and I thought yeah. okay you have to hide Freya don't show these people who you, who you are <laughs> it was such a weird place to lose that but then I regained it and I want to tell uh, myself and other people that it's the most precious thing that you have is your mm-hmm. individuality and you know uh, the art world can make you scared of doing a mistake that you'll never you know be forgiven that mm-hmm. you know you did something mm-hmm. which was not cool and mm-hmm. everyone, and everyone knows. knows nobody will forget and that's just such a you know I was so scared of that as a, when I got into art school because I realized something so precious to me which mm-hmm. was this dialogue to create a cr- mm-hmm. creation and I realized that it had this world on its side which had a lot of uh, shallow d- judgment and mm-hmm. that was actually something I really didn't want to be part of somehow I wanted more you know freedom I wanted more you know I wanted more um, uh, depth 
said something that was striking where you said, you know, that the most precious thing you have is your individuality, that even though you might be afraid, even though you might feel like it makes you a freak, even though you might be worried about rejection, that it's like, ultimately, that's like your superpower is your individuality. It's like the thing that just, just you, that's, yeah. that's the most precious. And also because you're, you know, you're alone with yourself in all this yeah. process all the time. So yeah. when you start to betray your own voice, things, yeah. you know, start to get a bit out of hand. So yeah, I had years of creating weird art for <laughs> where I wasn't uh, in tune and I wasn't even uh, and I wasn't using um, my uh, into um, I wasn't using my intuition also because I felt like that was something I could never talk about oh. uh, and and also because when you have a lot of uh, ESP mm-hmm. and you use that in your artwork Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want that to be <laughs> just somehow you just right. want to say you know well this is very important this yeah. had to you know be created and yeah. you know please be careful yeah. don't say anything bad <laughs> yeah. don't put negative energy <laughs> just, <laughs> be, just be delicate be delicate be gentle <laughs> so that does not work in art school <laughs> definitely no, not especially what you were saying about yeah. like having to have a thick skin yeah it's so like so personal so that person is creeping out now. I mean, that's really good. And as people say, you know, the teacher come when the student is ready. And this year I had, a, you know, intensive studies with the teacher. So yeah. I suppose it, you know, I've came, you know, it, it arrived it at arrived. the right time. And then this place is reinvented. And I'm uh, running now running, officially running a contemporary art museum, which is also a, a, a very creative uh, existential office. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best for healing and re- you know card readings and um and um all kind you know journeys journey work and uh hands-on healing and yeah. um what's more on the menu i was like we can see the menu from here because i think that yeah. that's a wonderful it's a wonderful note to close on that it like this space almost is the integration of the sides of yourself yeah it is that's really beautiful it is, and it um, makes me feel very complete, and it also uh, regenerated my batteries for ru- keep this running, because yeah. I could really feel after five years, you know, I had been uh, very careful for around two years not to have a burnout, because mm-hmm. I'm very active, and my mm-hmm. energy can really just, you know, take me like a rocket, and I have to really do my best to, con- you know, right. to contain it, you know. Right. And... Um, but I could feel that, you know, burnout was coming because I was just being bored with things and how, mm. you know, always working with young artists also who were just so inexperienced and doing the same mistakes over and over again with mm-hmm. tools and space and mm-hmm. and work, you know. And so that was a negative yeah. uh, impact. And yeah. I was trying to work through that. And this has really healed all the, all the danger of burnout that I had in, in having a venue open which is really good because I can feel that this is going to flow in a different way because it nourishes me mm-hmm. and healing work is like you know when you do healing work in a space it affects the space itself exactly it um, does work for myself yes at the same time and it even it affects my grandmother who lives in the house as well mm-hmm. so this is something that I see and I know that is very right and yes. it also changes the way people enter the space even though they don't know I mean that's the thing with being um, uh, sensitive and not mm-hmm. you know most people are sensitive but they're just not being very conscious of it right 
people feel uh, spaces yes. without being conscious yes. that they're feeling. There's so much processing that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Because they're looking and they're thinking, I see uh, and therefore I know. But mm-hmm. if, they just, if they would just walk in with all their senses closed except of being clairsentient and feeling mm-hmm. the energy, then people would find out that they... They are. It's just something that we are not talking about and exactly. we're not uh, developing it and we're not having a conversation about it. So I had also a struggle here after every opening where there had been free alcohol and mm. many people coming in, going out. I had to do oh, so work. having yeah. to cleanse every... Yeah. Yeah. And that was also something I was doing very privately because mm-hmm. nobody knew. Uh, I was usually doing cleansings in houses uh, secretly. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it felt so like I was doing something wrong. I would wait until people would leave where I was living. And then I would wow. be like, okay, now I have the chance to to get something out of the house that yeah. had, you know, arrived. And <laughs> it just felt so silly to have been like undercover or, you know, hiding Aww. with this work for such a long time. And, and now you can like be very... Flamboyant the wrong word. You can just be like welcoming. Yeah, you can be open. this is what it's about, you, you know. Be... This is what's happening here, and I don't have to hide it, and exactly. you know. And sometimes, you know, and when people ask, you know, what's the smell? What is happening? What 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 was going on before I, you know, came into the house? Exactly. It's just well, I had to do some work in mm-hmm. the space, and mm-hmm. I was using these materials, and that's why the smell is here. So mm-hmm. now it's, uh, you know, it's more honest, and and also, I mean. I feel like uh, there is so much work that we can do by ourselves. There's so much power that we hold, which has been taken away by, um, um, well, making, you know, even the word spiritual. I mean, I don't even think that's the word for it. It's just taking away our perception, our Mm. ability to perceive and create. And it's been, you know... Well, and it's like valuing only one kind of perception instead of multiple mm-hmm. sorts of perception because we have access to so many, Yeah. but only several of them are valued. And so it's like, oh. But the, the ones that are valued are also the ones that can be controlled. True. So they're it's also, a way of controlling people. They're also not the strongest necessarily. <laughs> they're, they're the weakest and most easy to herd. Yeah. I, I meant herd like I realized I didn't <laughs> I did like a gesture of like as though my hands were hurting something and I was just like oh wait that might sound really weird if someone can't see me (laughs) but yeah I think you're right the ones that are like almost controllable intelligible things like that that can be categorized are the ones that are the ones we go with Mm -hmm. and then the other ones we're taught to either ignore or marginalize yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this um, will, um, well, you know, if this idea is a seed, how it will go in the Icelandic uh, soil. Yeah. What's going What's going to happen? I mean, I know that I am happy with uh, whatever is going to happen here. And, um, and I am very eager to see also how I will uh, be able to, you know, braid these practices together through... Yeah. Uh, communal work and through uh, performance and through gatherings and see how that's going to work out because I want to use the space for that Mm -hmm. and um, I mean I've been having I've been doing healing work this year and Mm -hmm. readings and 
but now I have a very uh, good space to yeah, uh, yeah the dedicated space yeah. for it. So that's also something which is very important because this space is dedicated to healing work. So it's a healing space. Well, I'm so curious, like, because we do seem to see each other, like, at the annual mark, I was just like, huh, <laughs> what's going to happen next year? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, we'll have to do, like, podcast round two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me for Why Not Both. You're under the radar. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>